Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, I've got a very special guest. He is a three-time world champion, a four-time European champion. Uh, he's one of the fastest breaststrokers in history, and he just ended this ISL season as the number one ranked swimmer in the 200-meter breaststroke. We've got Marco Koch today. Marco, how's it going, man? Thank you for having me. I'm really good. Thank you. you last in isl season one on the new york breakers uh you i had i i'd heard your name for years and years you've you've been a, a prominent breaststroker in the sport for a long time and it was it was an honor to meet you and then i did meet you and i'm like this dude's he you you're very relaxed you're very easy to be around um it's it's, it's not always what you expect from from an elite athlete uh like yourself yeah, thank you. But I always feel like I'm very down to earth because of my surroundings, my family and everyone. So, yeah. That's that's interesting. I I I certainly want to get into that uh probably in a little bit, but I I want to start with the here and now, right? Um you said the Germany's in in, you know, the restaurants are shut down and everything. Um, but you're still able to train. Take me through since you've gotten back from ISL. Um, yeah, what's what's your situation been like um, in terms of just your day to day life? Yeah, the first few days after coming back from Budapest, I was taking a small break because I had some problems with my groin during the competitions. So I just wanted to take care of it and start back training when everything is like healed. And now I'm training just normally eight nine times a week two times on the trainer on my bike and three times in the gym. Oh man, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, you, from the outside, you had a phenomenal ISL season, you know, you went two double O in the tuner breast two or three times, I think. Yeah. Two times. Okay. Uh, you were, I mean, you were two Oh one, another handful of times, but you know, it's like, Coming into that season, um, not having raced a whole lot, what, what were, how are you feeling about what you thought you could do? Before the first match, I was really, really nervous because my last real competition was back in January. So we didn't race for like nine months or even 10 months. So I was really nervous because I didn't know what to expect because I feel, especially in breaststroke and on short course, there's so many things that can go wrong during the race. So my training was going pretty good so far, but I was just nervous and just like ready to compete again. And when I started the first match with a 202-3 or something, mm -hmm. then I, I felt that I'm in a really good spot and I can bring the time down even further. And then in the second match, I could break the 2001. So I went 2.00.8, I think. And still with some room to improve. But after the third match, I got some problems with my groin. So, yeah, I couldn't do too much breaststroke. But I think it was still a really consistent and really good effort for me. So I'm really happy to be in that shape that I am right now. 
uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, before I get, uh, more into that ISL season, um, yeah, take me through that, that nine or 10 months out of racing. Um, were you still able to train for a lot of that period? Were you out of the pool for a long time? Um, what did it look like, you know, once, once COVID really started affecting everyone globally in March? Yeah, I came back from a training camp in March and we wanted to start with all the competitions going on. And then two or three days later, everything basically shut down. And I wasn't able to go back to the pool then. So I didn't train the whole April and some weeks in May. And then I was able to train, I think, after six weeks again, but just once a day, five times a week. And I think, yeah, I started to get back into my normal routine with eight or nine sessions a week in end of July. So I think I swim as little as I can't even remember for this year, but I found cycling for myself. So I cycled a lot and I really feel like it improved a lot of my endurance in the water. So I keep two sessions on the bike a week now because I really feel that it's helping, especially my kick and the breaststroke. So in some ways, COVID did something good for me because I think otherwise I wouldn't wouldn't have started cycling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of us picked up cycling, right? I mean, that was, that was one of the only options and especially for swimmers, running is not always so friendly. Yeah, I tried it, but yeah, the impact <laughs> on my bones is a little bit too much <laughs> that yeah it can it can be a lot uh and so I, I mean emotionally what was that period like for you um i mean i know personally i went through a lot of ups and downs and i wasn't even training for, for you know to race at the highest level um what was that like for you yeah the beginning was really difficult because back then we didn't know what's happening with the olympics so they were not postponed I was sitting at home, not able to train. So it was a really bad feeling. But when the Olympics got postponed by one year, I thought I have an early summer break. So I just took my break a little bit early and started back training when it was possible. So I wasn't feeling too bad, but just training to train is not something I like. So I always need a goal to work towards. So it was pretty difficult for me to keep the motivation up to train like I don't know, in total, like almost 30 hours a week and not have any competitions in sight. So, yeah, that was pretty difficult because in Germany, there's basically non-competitions now. And I think they're going to continue like this, I don't know, maybe until March, April. Yeah, so <laughs> that was yeah, pretty that, tough for me. That, I mean, that is a long time. When... When did you find out that ISL would be a possibility? And was was that kind of, did that kind of become that goal, what you were training for next? Yeah, I can't remember exactly when I found out, but afterwards I was talking to my coach and he was like, it's a perfect opportunity to get a lot of races in, to work towards a goal this year. And yeah, so I tried to start out with a really really good shape because i think last year i started out not too fast in the first meet and then i could come down a little bit but this year i wanted to start out really strong and then keep improving yeah, and it worked pretty good we're just so excited 
to finally have some racing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I can't imagine uh, what that's like to not have the races and then to have a bunch of them. I'm sure that that was a big thrill for a lot of athletes. Um, certainly, someone like you who 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 needs that motivation. I don't see how you couldn't. But um, so uh, so I had sorry. I'm I'm blanking a little bit. I had a question, and it was. Uh, you, I, I don't remember specifically, but you train by yourself a lot. Is that right? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm basically in my own swimming group, so I got my own lane and most of the time it's just me, myself and I, <laughs> and just one coach just looking at what I do. So on one point, it's a blessing that the coach is just lo- looking at me, but on the other hand, sometimes on the bad days, it's getting pretty tough (laughs) yeah how how long have you has that been your training setup um basically since last christmas i changed coaches one more time because i wasn't feeling that with my old coach that the direction we were going was the direction that i wanted to train like so I changed back to my former coach and former national coach of Germany, Dirk Lange. I was working with him from 2010 to 2012. And after that, always just for like training camps and stuff. So we always stayed in contact. And I asked him if he wanted to do the next step with me towards the Olympics. And yeah, really enjoyed to work with him again. But on the other hand, just training by myself with no partner every day it sometimes gets a little tough but i went to to his place in austria this year for two weeks and i could bring eric Persson from sweden so we did a little breaststroke camp together yeah <laughs> uh and so during i mean during covid when when you were able to train again you know in in july um was that easier for you to get back in was that harder for you i mean just thinking from you know i'm I'm assuming you didn't see a whole lot of people during you know that spring and that summer and so was it easier to get back into training being used to swimming by yourself or was it a little harder not having people again uh for, for me it was okay i was just happy to be able to train again and go back to like a little bit kind of normal life to get my routines back. That's helping a lot just to get the routines to have a normal daily flow. Yeah. <laughs> so what, so what do you enjoy about just training by yourself? Just to focus on myself. I think if I would have someone always next to me, sometimes I would do stuff maybe a little bit too hard on the easy days or Maybe if I feel good, I would just slow down a little just to stick to the guys next to me on the easy days. So it's really good to just focus on yourself and your own body and your feeling to just do what's just right in that moment. That's an interesting perspective. Uh, that, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> cool. So, sorry, I'm all over the place. So let's let's get 
you uh you find out you're going to isl you get to isl you're feeling good take me through those those off days when you're not racing um what was it like being in the bubble what was it like training i mean were you, were you training by yourself there as well or were, or did were you hopping in with practices uh from from with different athletes we were doing a few team sessions together with some really take takeovers and stuff but most of the time i was doing my programs because we like really prepared for the isl events and i didn't want to like mix things up right before the competitions and yeah so i wasn't training that much because i just wanted to get fast times in the pool and i'm not the youngest anymore so i needed a lot of rest <laughs> and yeah i really enjoyed the bubble for like the first three weeks but afterwards it was getting kind of tough because you got so much spare time and always like distancing yourself and yeah taking care so the only time i went outside was for the 90 minutes so i always tried to walk around the island get some fresh air but other than that it was basically just netflix and <laughs> relaxing <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean does did did you have a lot of isolation like that during covid before the bubble um, did, I mean, how, how was, was emotionally, was that kind of hard and, and did the injury kind of hurt you mentally, um, in terms of, you know, of having all that spare time? Yeah, I think at the end it was getting really tough, like really, really tough because mm -hmm. we just have that one hotel room where you're in most of the time. Of course we did some team activities together, but not nearly as much as last year. Mm -hmm. So being away from your normal environment at home and just, yeah, by yourself most of the time was quite a long time at the end. <laughs> so I was really looking forward to going home on the last few days. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, that's, that's a long, <laughs> I think every, a lot of the athletes I talked to were like, yeah, it's like, that's, you know, I had a good time. I really enjoyed the bubble, but that's a long yeah. time to be away from home. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, so you get home, you're back in your home environment. Tell me, tell me about your home environment. What makes it so, so special? What keeps it so grounded for you? I think it's mostly just my family and friends that are here. Of course I can like see everyone right now because of COVID and the isolation and the lockdown, but yeah just makes me feel at home you know just with the environment and also the few days i had off i could take off after the bubble i was cycling a lot the weather was still okay not too cold here in germany so i was could just do what i enjoy outside of the pool yeah. and also cook my own food because the, the food in budapest was pretty good but after five weeks in the hotel like everything tastes the same you know so i was really looking forward to make my own food again what what's your own food? What do you like eating? I had like a big ass salad with a lot of vegetables and chicken. It was really, <laughs> really good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, that sounds great. Um, and, uh, so let's, I want to take it, take it back in history a little bit. Um, you know, you said your family keeps you grounded, your friends, your, your home keeps you grounded. Um, how, how did you come up in swimming? in in germany um and and do you feel like they kind of kept you grounded during during your upcoming in the sport 
Yeah, I started swimming because of my older brother. He went for practice and I, I always had to wait till he's finished so we could go back home. And at one point I was like, maybe instead of waiting, I should try it out. <laughs> and then I started swimming and swimming was the, the only thing that could keep me motivated. Other than that, if I started something new, if I tried something new, if I got like new toys or whatever, after a few hours, I was always like doing something different because it got me boring. Yeah, swimming is the only thing that I could stick to for like 22 years now. So, <laughs> yeah, and I still really enjoy it. So, yeah, I, I, it's just my sport. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, what kept you motivated about it what or what about swimming you know kept kept dangling that carrot in front of you kept you wanting more good question i think it's just when i jump in the water it feels just like my happy place or i don't know how to describe it i'm just by myself i can't hear the the shit that is going on outside you know the coach can yell and whatever i don't hear it i'm just in the water enjoying myself so I think it's just the environment. Yeah. Uh, when So when you started swimming, were you on a big team or was it just, just a few people? Yeah, we, we started out in a really small club. We could just go for practice like two or three times a week. And when my mom saw that we really enjoyed it and we got better, so we moved to a bigger club. And after that, we moved again to an even bigger club. And since then, I'm basically here in the area of Frankfurt training. Yeah. So my mom did a lot of for us just moving because of swimming and everything. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so that sounds like your parents were were on board with swimming. Um, did 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 you always did you feel supported by them? Um, did they? I mean, did were they like you have to do well, or was it or was it more of a yeah? You know, if you like it, keep doing it. Yeah, it was always like, if we like it, we can do it. If we don't like it anymore, we don't have to. And when I hit puberty and everything, you know, the days where you don't want to do anything. But my mom could figure out when there was just a day where I was lazy or if I really don't want to do it. So she pushed a little bit in the right direction, but only on the days where she knew she had to. <laughs> <laughs> And so when you were younger like that, what was your training schedule? Were you still eight or nine times in the pool? Uh, no, I, I didn't do the practice before school. So I was just training like six or seven times a week. So maybe twice on Saturday. Sunday was always off and mm -hmm. once on the other days. Maybe two gym sessions a week, but not too much. Yeah. Nice. And so... When was there an aha moment for you or, or something, a meet, a practice where you kind of felt like, oh, hey, I could I could be pretty good at this. I don't know that moment, but I always felt like I can can do really, really good. I don't know. I always had like a spreadsheet where I would write out my times and I calculate how I need to improve to be like top tier in Germany and everything. Maybe a bit crazy, but somehow it worked out. <laughs> and I think in my second year of the European Junior Championships, when I won the 200, got second in the 100, and third in the 50, I knew that I'm not too bad at swimming. <laughs> so, yeah. 
that's that seems like a were were you were you always a breaststroker? I think so. Yes, I, of course. I was also did like the other strokes and a lot of IM, but breaststroke mm. was always my best stroke, and it was also the first stroke that I was able to swim. So when I started swimming, breaststroke was the only thing I could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always not too good on the back. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense but that's uh so if i've read this right you're you're the german record holder in the 400 im short course right yeah but that's not because of my swimming technique it's just because of my underwater and the other strokes i think in this <laughs> race i was like half of the race was underwaters <laughs> Hey, if you can do half of a race, half of a 400 IM underwater, that's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the sad part is when I get up in the backstroke in the butterfly, that's not not pretty to look at. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, dude, you still went 401. That's that's very respectable. (laughs) Thank you. Really fast. Um, So you've got... (laughs) by your account you've got underwaters you've got breaststroke <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so and so coming up i mean what was what was your first big senior international meet do you remember that i think the big one was in 2009 the world championships in rome okay i broke the european record a few weeks be- before we got there so it was hyped really bad in Germany and <laughs> yeah it was just a little bit too much I think I got 12th or 10th place but it was an incredible experience for me it was just a little bit too much back then but it was just amazing I mean that makes it that seems like it would be a really cool meet to have been at what I have to ask what suit were you wearing at the time I was wearing the Arena X-Glide Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I, and... I ripped so many of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I, <laughs> I can imagine those. Those suits were easy to rip, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, what What made it so great for you? What that experience? Um... I think it was just. I, I really love the pool in Rome, the outside pool. Mm-hmm. It's really, really nice, and I've never seen so many people cheer for you it was just amazing the italians were going crazy and i think i also had a few italian breaststrokers in my heat so it was so loud it was really really yeah goosebump (laughs) feeling you know (laughs) oh yeah that sounds amazing um and you were 19 at that meet is that right yeah yeah okay and since then um i mean you've been to so many international meets um at that time were you training with the team or were you by yourself then i was training in my club in darmstadt i was training there from 2001 till 2018 i think mm-hmm. so pretty long time so i was training there with a normal squad okay yeah and and how what was what was training with just a normal squad like you said um like i mean looking back on it is that something you felt was good a good fit at the time yeah i think so because also that yeah kept me down to earth you know because we were like 
sometimes eight, ten people per lane. So I wasn't having <laughs> like a special lane or anything. So you get used to not optimal environment in training. Mm. So I always said when you can swim fast in Darmstadt, you can swim fast anywhere because <laughs> the conditions were just not so great. <laughs> Those are packed lanes. Yeah. Uh, was that, were, did you train short course a lot? Did you train long course a lot? I think back then we trained like six sessions a week on long cost on three okay. on short cost, but on short cost, you're just able to do like, I don't know, maximum 200 meters straight because anything longer, I would like start overtaking all of them. So mm -hmm. yeah, you need to break up the distances a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh when back then were you doing a lot of volume i mean what what would a normal practice be five five thousand k six k seven k i think i've never done a lot of volume i always start out the year with a little bit more volume so when we we're on training camps so i think the most i've done in training camp was like 90 95 kilometers a week but other than that, I'm not doing too much volume. We're training more like um, try to keep the quality higher because mm. also like right now when I train too much in the water, I get really slow and just like lazy and can't move anymore. So we started to do the longer stuff on the bike now because it keeps my legs and everything fresh for the water. So I'm, I think right now, this and last week, we did like between 35 and 40 K. Okay. Yeah. That's... But also like, I don't know, 150 kilometers on the bike. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot. So what is, how, how long is a session on the bike for you? I got one or two shorter sessions. It's more like one hour intervals, a okay. little bit higher intensity. And on Saturday, my last session of the week is like an easy, longer aerobic ride. There I just go by feel. At the end of my time off, I went for, I think it was 120 kilometer ride. But most of the time, it would be more like 80 to 90. Dang. How, how long, like how long does 90K take? Like three hours. <laughs> Wow. Is it's an, is this a stationary bike or is this an actual bike? When I go for the long rides, it's always outside. Okay. Because like three hours on the trainer, I couldn't handle it, I think. <laughs> but like one hour, one hour, one and a half hours would be enough for me on the trainer. Gotcha. Nice. It is where, go ahead. Yeah. And, and for the trainer, I got a pretty good setup. It's right in front of my TV. So I just put on a movie and put on the program and then mm -hmm. it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah. That, that seems, that seems like a good thing. Um, and it seems like a good thing that you're able to go for bike rides. You know, the longer bike rides outside is, is where you are pretty bike friendly or are there paths or trails or. Uh, depends on most of the way is quite okay, but. I think the German car drivers don't like the cyclists mm. so much. So you really need to be careful. And yeah, it's better to stick to bike lanes. But 
when you go on the road bike and you go between 30 and 40 kilometers per hour, sometimes it's quite dangerous to go on bike path because the people don't think that you're so fast. So you really need to be careful. But fortunately, I didn't have any accidents or something like this so far. So everything's good. <laughs> that, that is good. Yeah, that's that's flying, man. Uh, wow. But that's that sounds like a really cool form of cross training. And I mean, I think I've seen a lot of athletes who, um, especially coming off of injuries, you know, they, they get on the bike and then they just ride and then their legs are a lot stronger in, you know, a few weeks or a couple months. And it seems like a good, good cross training for sure. Yeah, I really enjoy it. And also like three hour endurance training on the bike feels like nothing. And when <laughs> you do like five or 10, or if you would do like three hours of swimming, it's killing you. So <laughs> yeah, so much easier. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I wouldn't have thought of that, but I think that makes sense. And that's really cool that, that you can find that balance for sure. Um, yeah. so so you're training now, you said you're doing, you know, 35 or 40 K a week, but you get in eight or nine sessions. And so what, you know, my, my line of thinking is, well, you could do 35 or 40 K in, you know, maybe six or seven sessions. What is, what is so important to you about having, having that number of sessions, um, really touching the water that many times, I guess. Uh, as opposed to just kind of trying to get it in. Yeah. I think we got three key sessions a week and the rest is just like preparing my body for the key sessions. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I need the easy session on Monday to be ready on Tuesday evening for the main set. And we skip the Tuesday morning swimming session and put in a biking session instead because the swimming made me really tired for the hard session on Tuesday evening. So I'd rather do the one hour bike ride in the morning. And then I'm really ready for the hard stuff on the evening. And then the other sessions are like before or after the gym. So they always like stick together and are also important to do together. Mm -hmm. And on Thursday evening, we got like a more of a sprinting practice. And before that, I really like to do like an easy session in the morning just to get in a few miles yeah so everything is building up on each other you know <laughs> yeah it's building up throughout the week and it really seems like it all has a purpose right it's not yeah. just get in and swim yeah, yeah. six or seven and i think thousand. if i if i would skip like one more session and would have to put the the kilometers on the other sessions it would also make me like more tired because it's a difference if you do like four or five K in one session or like six or seven K. It's very interesting. I, I really like that philosophy. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's very, it seems well thought out and uh, again, pointed, you know, every, everything has a purpose and, and it's yeah. to do it at a really high level. Uh, yeah. That's cool. Um, so, so what does a Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday PM practice look like for you? What's, what's a hard set that you might do on, uh, that Tuesday evening? A lot of breaststroke normally, <laughs> <laughs> like pretty short warm up, and then something like, for example, 60 fifties breaststroke. 
the slower ones on one minute, the faster ones on one minute 30. Mm. And the first 16 would be like every fourth is fast and then three easy, one fast, three easy. Then you got a small break and then you go 12 on two easy, one fast. And then you go eight on one easy, one fast. And the last four are also, all of them are fast. And the easy stuff on long course would be like, I don't know, maybe 33-0. And the fast stuff, hopefully under 30.0. So it's like 3K breaststroke. And the slowest you ever swim is like 33 from the 50. <laughs> so after a while, it's getting pretty, pretty tough. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What is your stroke count for, uh, for long course 50s breaststroke like that? I mean, what, what do you, what do you think, how many strokes are you taking and what are you thinking about? Mm, depends on the speed when it's like 200 meter pace, it would be between 14 and 16 strokes, depending on the day and the 50. If it's like a lot of fifties, I probably start out with 14 and yeah, at the end it would be more like 15 or 16. And if it's four times under 30, I think I need more like 18 strokes then. But I always just try to focus that I hit an optimal streamline, at least for a small part of the race, like every stroke streamline. No matter how fast your stroke rate is, you always need to be in the streamline position because that's the fastest you're going to get in the breaststroke. Mm -hmm. As, as you've, you know, you're 30 now you've you've been a prolific part of the breaststroking scene for the last decade as you've aged has the, has this focus has what you focused on in training have what you focused on in your stroke has that evolved maybe maybe just in the last five years i think my stroke didn't evolve too much i'm always the kind of guy who plays around with small details in the stroke it's mm -hmm. always i when I go to training today and I do my first hundred and I'm not like hundred percent happy with it. I try to make like really small changes to see if I can make it somehow a little bit faster. So I'm always playing with my stroke and in training, it has changed a lot during the last years because when I was younger, I could basically push myself every session because recovery wasn't an issue, but now I really need to focus on the key sessions. And even if I feel good in the other sessions, like take it a little bit easier just to make sure that I don't overdo it before the important stuff. Because the end of the week is most of the time is pretty tough for me. <laughs> so I really need my day off on Sunday. <laughs> and that, I mean, that makes sense. Recovery seems very important, especially as you continue to grow, continue to age, has, has there been a point in your career where you thought you were going to step away or have you always just said, I'm, I'm enjoying swimming. I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, I really, I always enjoyed it. Even in the years where it wasn't going too well, I always had this feeling that I can do better. And I think as long as I got this feeling that I'm not like at the end of my capabilities, I think I'm going to continue. So, so this, after this Olympic year, you have no plans of saying, oh, okay, that's it. Oh, uh, no, I don't think so. 
as a joke, I said that I might want to do an Ironman in 2022. So this might be something that I want to try out, but I don't plan on quitting swimming because it's still so much fun for me and I really enjoy it. And yeah, I can't think of a life right now without swimming. So Yeah. The, do you do you have other interests, hobbies um, outside of swimming, outside of athletics or physical activity in general? Uh, not too many. <laughs> I think I, I really like sports, so also like bouldering, climbing, cycling, mm. running not too much because it's just too hard for me, but I really enjoy to be outside and in the sun and everything. But when I don't do sport, I'm a really lazy person, I think. <laughs> just lying <laughs> on the couch watching TV and stuff. So, yeah, just taking it easy. <laughs> <laughs> Is Do you get a lot of sun where you live? No, not too much. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> also, right now, it's like really cloudy and no sun at all right now. So yeah. hopefully I can maybe go to some nice sunny place after Christmas. <laughs> to start back training in the sun so uh what okay before i before i ask you about training in the future um a, a couple more questions about about your swim story was there do you have a favorite meet that you have been to in your career one that really stands out as like this was this was a great experience i always liked the man nostrum tour here in europe because it's just like three competitions in quite short time together. And I really enjoyed this. I always could like bring my times down from meet to meet. And I really enjoyed the pools and the facilities there. And also the Sete Colli in Rome, just because mm -hmm. my first world championships was in this pool. And it's always such a nice experience to be there. Really nice crowd and always good competition. Is that... That that meet seems like one that a lot of people will maybe come down for a little bit or really focus on and you know drop some fast times. Is there one year particular of the Seti Coli where that that you really hit it? I think last year I went like two or seven nine. That was incredible okay. fast. So almost yeah, as fast as I was at the World Championships. I just really loved the pool and everything. So always hyped to go there. <laughs> that's awesome uh when when you're coming down for a big meet you know a world championships european championships and olympics um do you have certain routines maybe you could call them superstitions but do, they, that you follow you know do you do you have a a ritual of of all right this is what i'm going to shave or this is what i'm going to do when i get into the pool after i shave um do you have any any rituals or, or pre-race routines like that? Oh, I don't think so. I always shave the night before my first race. Mm -hmm. But that's normal for basically every meet where I shave. But other than that, I think I don't like to be in the competition pool too much. I just go there like once or twice before my race. And then I stick to the warm-up pool because I I don't like it to always train in the pool where I race. I just mm -hmm. like to keep the distance and like keep it special for the race, you know, just mm -hmm. get familiar with the pool and everything and then just see it for the race. <laughs> have, have you ever had a race 
at any meet uh, where you got out and you thought that was the perfect race. Uh, this, this is the, I, I really nailed it on this one. Ah, uh, no, it was always like, I could have done better X, Y, Z, whatever. I, I haven't hit like the perfect race so far. It was always like afterwards was talking to my coaches and yeah, it was like took the frequency too high on the last 50 or didn't hit one turn perfectly. It was always something. Always that I, it's a frustrating mindset as an interviewer, because I want to hear about that perfect race, but I feel like that's a good mindset to have as an athlete. Yeah. I think it's like the Holy grail. When you hit the perfect race, you're like, okay, I'm done. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. I, I would agree with you. Has, do you have a favorite race where it's like, okay, this may, maybe it wasn't perfect, but this, I had the most fun or this is the most meaningful to me so far. Yeah. In 2016, I, wasn't really happy with my performance at the Olympics. And afterwards, I did all the World Cups and everything. And at the end, we had German Nationals in Berlin. And I broke the world record in the 200-meter breaststroke. And this was a really, really good race. I was a little bit tired, so it wasn't optimal. But yeah, I hit the wall. was perfect and it was pretty good. So I was really happy with this one. <laughs> world record race seems like a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so I don't want to keep you too much longer, but um, so head, heading forward, you know, you said maybe you can go somewhere sunny in January. What do you think your plans are it, just training-wise? Um, do you have something to train for in the future now? I mean, we, I know the Olympics are on the horizon, but like you said, there aren't too many meets in Germany right now. So, so what is your plan in the next few months? Yeah, I hope that in in Europe, there will be competitions, hopefully like end of April or something. Normally, we go to the Stockholm Open and the Swim Cup in Bergen in Norway. Mm -hmm. So I hope that by then, maybe life is getting a little bit back to normal and we can do some racing. But before that, I don't think I would plan with too many competitions. So maybe we can set up like a small meeting here in Frankfurt or wherever where we do like a small club competition or something that we got at least something because for me, it feels like four months is such a long time just to train without any competition because I'm really used to all the, the racing. Like last year, I did the whole mile Nostrum, the French Open, then the Setecoli. It was like five competitions in two weeks. In 2016, I did all the World Cups and I, I always improved myself over those races. So I really need those and yeah, but I think the first things where we plan racing would be like April. So just a lot of training to then. Do you ever have race days in practice or, or days where, you know, you just do a few really fast efforts? Normally it's my Sunday, Saturday session is like this, just mm -hmm. a lot of race pace work, but it's just not the same, you know, it's just feels like training. So. Yeah, I just need need a competition to really, yeah, put all the effort in. I'm always good in training, but yeah, just doesn't feel the same. What is it about racing that you like so much? <sighs> good question. I just love to compete, and I hate to lose. <laughs> 
I, I think that's a good note to end on. Uh, Marco, thanks so much for coming on and taking taking the time out of your day to talk with me. It's It's been really great. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was really fun. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swim Podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.